At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Saturday night, Bill's Allergy. Pre-Easter. Happy Easter to everybody, first off. Um, if you guys do that sort of thing, it's Easter weekend. So thank you for spending Saturday night with us. Bill's Allergy, as always, every week. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, DM3. I am the co-founder of Built in Buffalo. If you guys want to chat it up with me on Twitter, you can find me at DM3 underscore BIB. The guy to my right, that is my brother from another mother and father, he is the other co-founder of Built in Buffalo. That is A. Rich, Akeem Richens. You can find him on Twitter at KingRich underscore 987. And the guy down below, let me see if I can get this right, right here. That's our guy, Charlie. Uh, if you guys want to chat it up with him on Twitter, you can find him at Charlie underscore gross underscore. So, fellas, pre-Easter uh, Sunday weekend, how we doing? How we feeling out there, guys? What's up, guys? How's it going? Gentlemen, gentlemen, I feel great, man. Easter weekend. I'm I'm the father that partakes in Easter weekend. So I'm about to go grocery shopping. Uh, I gotta get a bunch of eggs. There's a there's a lot of eggs I have to hide, and there's, there's a lot of activities and festivities I'm gonna be uh taking part of tomorrow. So uh I'm glad to be here with you gentlemen tonight. All right, let me get let me get a shout out to the usual suspects. Uh Vlad Ostrov's in the house, underscore Dave. We're just gonna call you Dave from now on. Scott Blakely's <laughs> in the house, Sheldon Cole. Uh, Nicole Daniel, Thomas Burke, 
Bruce Smith. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce Smith. Bruce. My guy Iron Mike Smith is in the house as always. Jeff Davis. Uh, a lot of the normal suspects are in the house. So we got a packed show. When I mean packed show, like packed show. We got a lot of stuff uh, to unpack from this past week and a lot of stuff that we want to kind of talk about, digest, and some things that we wanted to touch on heading into the draft, even though it's a few weeks out. But we kind of wanted to touch on it. So we got a new we got a new um, little segment on the show. I know you guys love our segments. First, first and foremost, because this this seemed like this was a winner last week. If you guys haven't already, <laughs> smash the like button if you're watching on Facebook. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube, and smash it if you're watching on Twitter. Retweet it, share it. Please hit that subscribe that little that little button. It's like right over there somewhere. All right, so. The new segment is called Okay, so we're just going to get you guys caught up on some things that happened uh, with the team this week, some players and things around the city. First and foremost, I just want to remind everybody that there's 26 days until the draft. All right. 26 days. I know in, in a few hours, it'll be 25, but 26 days until the draft. I know that Charlie's excited. I know a rich is super excited. I'm starting to get excited. So, um, so that's happening. So another thing happened this week that was kind of out of, out of nowhere, the Buffalo bills now have a new stadium name. They are now endorsed by blue cross blue shield. And the name of the stadium is called Highmark stadium. A rich. How do you feel about the name? And we're going to spend eight seconds on this, literally. I, you know, at first I was like, eh, Highmark Stadium, I, I, I don't like it, right? I don't like it. But then I thought about it. Uh, as long as the Buffalo Bills are winning, who gives a damn uh, what the name of the stadium is? I care about W's. We had a nice sounding stadium all these years and we didn't, it didn't take us anywhere, right? So maybe Highmark doesn't sound pleasant, but we get uh, – pleasant results in our near future. So I don't give a damn. I just want W's. I want the Lombardi trophy. There you go. Charlie, what do you think about the new name? Well, I got to tell you that that announcement was certainly the high mark of my week. No doubt about it. <laughs> um, so, you know, Charlie, you got jokes already. Yeah. Yeah. Dad jokes. Don't mind. I won't let my <laughs> wife watch this. She'll, she'll so, she's so mad. They got another dad joke. Um, yeah. I always call it rich stadium. I never call it the Ralph. Like I was, I was a, Teenager in the Super Bowl years, it's always been Rich Stadium to me. I will say that Highmark is—it's easy to say. It's very one word. It's—it's—it's it's, it's easy. It's simple. It's nothing crazy like you know how the Broncos. It's like Invesco Field at Mile High Stadium, John Elway Statue, Liberty Bowl Stadium, or like all—you know—it's it, one word. It's easy. I'm whatever. They got their money right. They got their their uh, revenue stream that they needed, so they're fine. So can you guys hear John Miller right now? Just. And Josh Allen hits the mark to Stefan Diggs at the high mark. <laughs> I'm I calling like it right now. I'll tell I'm you. Yeah. Right I'm calling right now. All right. So that happened. Um, and like Ada Rich said, I don't care if they called it the Frank's Red Hot Stadium. I don't care what they called it. As long as the Bills are winning in that stadium, that's all that really matters to me. The ranch dressing um, stadium. Hey, whoa. Oh, look out. <laughs> Chat's coming for me. <laughs> Oh, shots fired. All right. So, all right. So Charlie's favorite subject, and he's going to get a little sensitive on this one, but I think the fans bullied 
the Buffalo Bills, Terry, Terry and Kim Pagula in the front office into delivering the white face masks. And how ironic was it and how funny was it that they released this on April Fool's Day when the first thing that they did, and kudos to the Buffalo Bills social media team because they, they knocked this one out of the park. They got all the guys involved making a video showing all the gray face masks and how much they love it. And I, I think Isaiah McKenzie's like becoming the face of this franchise. Like he's everywhere when they do these things. And then lo and behold, like an hour later, they drop the white face mask. So is this a big deal? Do you guys care about the white face masks or do we want to move I, on from this topic too? You know, I care, you know, I care. And, and by the way, there's a lot of parents that name their children a lot, a lot worse, you know, as we're talking about stadiums, but we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but uh, as, as far as, as far as this, um, uh, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I mean, it's clean, right? It makes our our, our makes our full uniform. The whole, the, I think the white face, the white face mask, just complements the whole uniform. So, all right. So one more thing happened, and I thought this was pretty neat um, because, as we all know, that Stefan Diggs was his cleat game was on point this past season. It seemed like he always had either a charitable cause. He was doing it for some other cause. He was doing it to shout out somebody. Um, he's become a Jordan athlete. Um, he's going to have his own uh, line of cleats. I'm sure he'll have his own line of sneakers because he's a sneakerhead. So I thought that was pretty neat. The reason why I think it's kind of cool is because he's a Buffalo Bills athlete. And not a lot of Buffalo Bills athletes get put on – I mean, to become a Jordan athlete is kind of a big deal. Like, I, to me, it is. I think it is. And to have him – and now I'm sure it's his whole body of work with his years in Minnesota and what he did this past year. But I think this past year catalog made it a catalyst for him to be chosen. And he said it's always been a dream. And just to have a Buffalo Bills player be put up like this and get recognition and bring some publicity in a positive way to the team, I think it's just a win. What do you think, Charlie? I'm gonna hit the yeah, comment section. I, I mean, it's it's. I think it's cool. I think it's something. I'm not a fan of every team, obviously, the way I am with the Bills, but I don't think this has happened a lot in football, right? Certainly not with non quarterbacks. Like it's always a basketball thing, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna be Adidas or or uh, Nike or whatever, and to have uh, a member of your team be real public with a very well known brand, a very famous brand, certainly. Um, I think it's really cool. Like he's yeah. got that personality for it, right? Yeah. Like he's got the swagger and, and he just kind of fits, fits in that thing, you know, like and, if Josh Allen, you know, endorsed a pair of shorts or something, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, they, what, can, they can I just, can I ask, and I've asked Akeem this before, and I don't think he, I don't think he grasps what, what the answer is to this question either. What's, what's the infatuation with Josh Allen and shorts? Can anybody explain this to me? Like, I don't uh, understand. Like there's posts already on Twitter, like of people with of him from training camp last year, uh, only a few more weeks until we get photos like this. And it's a picture of Josh Allen in shorts. Like, right. Yeah. I don't I mean, it. I mean, every athlete I, I looks good. Like in grown shorts, men, right? Like, like grown men like, like doing this. <laughs> I mean, they're like the epitome of fitness. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Sheldon likes my name for the stadium. Frank's red hot. I mean, the bills are going to take it to the chiefs at red hot stadium. I mean, <laughs> Josh Allen's legit. Red hey. oh it's my legit, God. right? That's a, that's a all right. So as you guys all, as you guys all know, the bills did sign some players this week. Um, we touched on everybody that they signed last week. And it seems like this is a theme going forward for our show. They sign about four guys throughout the week and I get to put together four graphics, which is awesome because 
I think we're getting to a point where we're just about done signing players until after the draft because you got to think we got sign the draft players and then you're going to have a bunch of undrafted free agents. So um, let's get right into the, some of the guys that we signed. And this is no particular order of how they were signed or how I ranked them as far as how good the signing was. Um, we'll go with this one first. Tackle Bobby Hart. Uh, he started 45 of his last 46 games. A lot of people don't know that. And he was a seventh round draft pick. He's played 79 games. This poor man has gotten run of the film of the preseason game when him and Quentin Spain just completely let edge rushers annihilate Andy Dalton. So I don't know if either of you guys have dived into his film, but what, what is this signing a rich? What does this signing mean to you? Um, as far as what he's going to do and what he's going to bring to the roster. We're not asking Bobby Hart to start, right? 66 career starts under his belt. Uh, Ty Niseki is no longer a Buffalo Bill. We needed a, a Ty Niseki replacement. And Bobby Hart now fits the mold of, of, of Ty Niseki. Uh, he went on, he went back to the Dallas Cowboys, and now we have Bobby Hart that can compete with guys like Ryan Bates and, and Trey Adams for a Buffalo Bills roster spot. Now, Bobby Hart, in my opinion, he has an advantage over those guys because of that experience. So we're not looking for him to start, and I think it will be a a, a solid depth piece uh, for our Buffalo Bills that was kind of thin in that backup tackle position. And I just Great. named Ryan Bates and Trey Adams, right? So it was kind of thin before that signing. So I like the signing. I know the stats and the uh, and the film doesn't look particularly great, but again, we're not asking him to start. We're asking him to be a solid backup just in case uh, someone goes there. And and I think too, to your point, Ty Seki was a little long in the tooth. No no knock on Ty Seki, um, but he has more starts than Ty Seki does in his in his career. Bobby Hart has more starts than Ty Seki does now. Ty Seki was playing behind a Hall of Fame tackle and that's probably why the majority of his career in washington he didn't get to start but i mean yes it was on cincinnati i understand yes he's a seventh round draft pick i understand all of that but he started 45 of 46 games on an nfl franchise so charlie what, what do you what do you think about this signing is this strictly depth is this uh a good insurance policy in case something happens to Darrell williams or uh, Deion dawkins or what do you think i think they're just trying to create competition we, when we first made the signing, I said I tweeted out right away, like, okay, there's your swing tackle. But I, I haven't dived into too much of his film, but I have started to hear some things. I think someone mentioned it in the chat. Actually, he's kind of a weird guy. Uh, and regardless of what you think of that, that clip from the preseason where he just got, I don't know what they were doing on that play, but it looked horrible. Uh, but, I mean, he started 66 games for a reason, right? And you can say, okay, well, it was the Bengals. He still started 66 games as a seventh rounder. So, But I just don't know if he's going to fit, and maybe this doesn't matter. I don't know what they mean necessarily by culture. But, yeah, he's kind of weird on social media, and he's done some weird stuff. And and I understand depth, competition, swing tackle. I'm just not sure if he's going to fit. Just in that sense, you know, I, I don't know if they care, if the pro personnel department cares, but I don't know. It's just weird to me with, with the type of personality he portrays um, from what I've I've seen on some social media stuff. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people were giving him slack because of that clip that 
somebody that was a Bengals fan actually tweeted it and was the one that said, "Good luck with this Buffalo." And then all of <laughs> Buffalo, and then all of Buffalo media got a hold of it, and then everybody was like, "What the hell is this? What the hell is this?" Okay, this is like signing basically a guy that's coming in to compete to be a backup. Like nobody is thinking that this guy's going to beat out Daryl Williams, Deion Dawkins. So I think everybody got a little excited for no reason because we're going to have 90 guys in camp. And guess what? They're, they're not all making the team. But to Akeem's point, depth was pretty thin. After we lost in Seki, when he went and got signed in free agency, we depth was pretty was pretty thin. So I got a super chat in here from my guy, Vlad, as always. My brother, I appreciate that. So our next guy up, we'll keep it. Should we keep it on the O-line? We'll keep it on the O-line. We got Jamil Douglas, offensive lineman, played for the Titans and Dolphins. Um, he's played 46 games in his career. He is 29 years old. Um, so this is this is another depth guy. Charlie, what's your opinion on – I'll keep the graphic up there. What's your opinion on Jamil Douglas? I think, again, it's some competition, you know, for, for whoever, whether it's for Feliciano, uh, Bucker, Ford. I think that that part of the team is maybe the most unsettled part of the team. It's really kind of – I don't know if it's a weakness because you are bringing back the two guys who started last year um, once they were healthy, and you're also bringing back your second-round draft pick from a few years ago. But it certainly is the most undefined in terms of who is going to start. You know, I don't know if they have the long-term answer at guard on the roster right now at either one of those positions. It's kind of like a patchwork. Um, so – Maybe he beats out Feliciano. Maybe he beats out Colt Ford and Bucker for left guard. I mean, Brandon Bean, we know, does a great job of eliminating needs, especially heading into the draft. And they're not all going to be superstars, um, but he certainly is giving himself the flexibility where if the draft board doesn't fall the way he wants, the Bills can survive in advance right. into camp, into the, into the season, and it won't be, um, <coughs> excuse me, it won't be terrible. Um, they'll, get, they'll get by. Hey, Rich, what's your thoughts on, on Mr. Douglas? Uh, 46 games played. Another body, right, that that looks like a, another depth piece. Uh, it seems like we're, we're trying to do some patchwork. We did have uh, some issues within the starting lineup last year, so we know with the, with the money or the lack of money the Buffalo Bills do have, we're trying to find – under the radar guys that can come in and compete, and this is and this is another example of that in Jamil Douglas, uh, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott. The organization really believes in uh, uh, patching up all necessary holes in free agency and going after the best available player, so to speak, in the draft. Right. So I think this is the process of of the Buffalo Bills doing that. I agree with you 100%, both of you guys. All right, this is a good comment. Who, Which one of you guys wants to take this one? Will Christian Wade have a chance to start this year? <laughs> um, uh, Rich, uh, you go, I mean, he's, he's, he, they got eligibility for him um, again through the international player thing. They got the roster exemption. I mean, I don't, I'm sure, you know, they'll, they'll let him play in camp, but I, I don't, you know. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what he's learned so far. I think is is what it is. Is and with the addition of uh, you know Matt Breida and and they got the guys. I think he'll just spend another year on the practice squad. And unless he shows out maybe in kick return, I don't know. Rich, what are your thoughts about that? 
Uh, I would like to see what he can do. I would like to see what he can bring to the table. He's been on that exempt list for a couple of years now. Uh, he should have uh, some experience. The game should slow down somewhat a little bit for Christian Wade. I want to see uh, what he can do in a in training camp setting in a preseason setting. So uh, that's 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 what I want to see from Christian Wade. Do I think he could come out and start? No, I don't. I don't think he's going to come out and start or, or make any immediate impacts. But uh, that's what training camp and that's what preseason is for, the, the opportunity to prove people wrong. And I, I, I think he at least deserves that. My thing, too, is everybody's talking about, well, why don't we just put him at can punt returns? Has anybody seen the man return a kick or a punt yet? Right. I have not. No. Have, I'm not saying that they've never practiced it, but I've never seen him return a kick, return a punt, even last year when there was pre- – or the season before when there was preseason. So, I mean, it's all it's all comes down to is does he understand the playbook? Can he do things that are important other than running the football? Can he pass protect? You know, can can he do the things that are asked of him that is not just take the ball and go go run and run fast because you're fast? Like there's a lot of stuff that's involved and people I think got enamored. And I know, Charlie, you talked about it a couple weeks ago. People got so held up on the fact that he caught a screen pass and took it, almost took it to the house. And then he had one run and he took it to the house. Well, that was in preseason, late in the game against guys that didn't make rosters. So we have to understand the severity of or the situation of, of when that game was taking place. And I love Christian Wade. And I love the fact that F.A. Obata is here and they're both from the same international program and they're both from London and they know each other. And I think that's kind of neat. I just don't know if this is another season where he just hangs out on the practice squad just to get the NFL experience. So that's my take. Um, so we got two more guys. We handled the offensive linemen. Now we're going to talk about some linebackers. Cause I think last year, I think both you guys will agree with me. And I think that most of the chat and everybody watching will agree with me that this is where we struggled and heading into the season after the weird camp that we had last year, linebacker depth last year was, was kind of weird. Right, we had Delshawn Phillips come out of nowhere. Terrell Dodson made the team. Like a lot of this stuff was kind of came out of nowhere. So I think that Brent, like I've said before, Brendan Bean, I think learns from his previous, like what he's done in the past. So the first guy we'll talk about is Markel Lee, linebacker, played for the Raiders for three seasons, only twenty five years old. Um, not sure how he didn't get on the field with the Raiders, who had a terrible linebacking core. The past couple of years, I know he had an injury in 2019. He didn't play at all last year. He didn't play one game in the regular season last year. So, A. Rich, you want to talk about Markel Lee real quick? I think uh, Markel Lee is a is an interesting an interesting linebacker. And, and again, the Buffalo Bills are are doing what they have to do to try to find depth pieces uh, within their Buffalo Bills roster. Uh, 19 starts in his three years. He, I, I believe, he played about. 85, 86% uh, on special teams. So he has experience there. So we're talking about a guy that we hope is is recovered, hope is is healed from his past injuries. He had a year off. He does uh, possess some size and some athletic ability. And can we find another diamond in the rough to come and contribute for our Buffalo Bills at minimum risk? And that's and that's the theme for, for Brandon being in the Buffalo Bills. Can we find guys that is capable guys that present very low risk. And 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 Markel Lee is uh, another example of that. Charlie, what do you think? 
Yeah, and I think in a way, your team is only as good as your as your depth. You know, you see a team, some teams, for instance, like the Rams, right? They put all their investments in like six or seven guys. The bottom half of their roster is really bad. What happens if those guys get hurt? I mean, we were lucky that we managed to weather the storm last year. Edmonds was a little banged up. Milano missed, what, six, seven games? They, we were lucky that we had a guy like Klein that the coaching staff was able to adapt him to the system because he's a different kind of player. But, right, like there's not a lot of linebacker depth on this team. What happens if – the same thing happens again. What are you going to do? I, everyone's telling me that Matt Milano is extremely so important. Okay, well, we, if he goes down, what do we do? So you're you're giving yourself veterans. These guys have also played a little special teams. Uh, so you're you're giving yourself an option instead of it being a guy who maybe is an undrafted free agent. You've got, you know guys who at least have some experience where if they do go down, you can survive. You can survive a, f a few weeks, maybe better than, than you did before. And I think that's what Brandon Bean is so good at. Like you said, he attacks weaknesses last year. He didn't do a good enough job with the linebackers. And this year he's not going to make that same mistake again. So Dwayne Farr, he, uh, he failed a physical in August. Do your homework. Check it again. Markel Lee failed a physical in August and he did not play for the 2020 season. Uh, you could check it. We we all got Google. Check it out. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, and can you imagine Bills Mafia if uh, Matt Milano gets injured, like at any point this season? And if it's like not just like a out for the rest of the game season or out for the rest of the game injury, what they're gonna go nuts because everybody was pounding the table. One way or the other, they were like, yes, we need Milano back. Yes, we need him. If if it's either him or Daryl Williams, it needs to be Milano. Yeah. And then there was and then there was other people that it was like, no, he's injury prone. We can't give him any money. Like, let's go get someone in the draft or there's better guys out there. So if he gets injured, it's gonna be crazy. I'm not I don't wish any ill will on him, but uh oh, Dwayne Farr says he opted out uh for COVID. Oh, I, man, saw I, same, like, I, I saw I feel the like same. I saw the same thing to break that, the tie. I, I saw the same thing tie. that A. Rich saw that it said that he did opt out. It could have been maybe he failed a physical and then he opted out. And he didn't want to try to. I don't know. But anyways, let's move on. We're gonna check on our our, our last guy, and this is one of my favorite signings of the off season, Terrell Adams. And a lot of people are in Bills Mafia are excited about this signing. 125 tackles in 2020 was 12th in the NFL. Signed a one-year contract, and I've watched film on him. I posted some film on him on Twitter, and I like this signing. But for the people that are out there talking about this is going to replace somebody that's already on the team, this is strictly a depth move, and they're going to work him in in a rotation with A.J. Klein. I'm pretty convinced. Hey, Rich, how do you feel about the Tyrell Adams signing? Oh, 12 games started last year, I believe, right? For the Houston Texans, 122 tackles. He's got he's a guy that adds more starting experience uh to the backup linebacker corps. Uh Terrell Adams, in my opinion, now he he helps out and he's a capable linebacker just in case something was to happen to uh, uh Edmonds or something was to happen to other linebackers. We're talking about a guy that had over 100 tackles in this NFL that's now going to be a backup for our Buffalo Bills defense. Anytime where you can find that, and I believe that's an upgrade 
from from our, our linebacking course last year. And anytime you can find that, uh, is is ultimately an upgrade for the entire defense, even if it's a if it's not a noticeable one. It's a it's definitely an upgrade, nevertheless. Charlie, what's your thoughts yeah, on and, this? And, the, and these guys are going to push the bottom of the roster too. Like I said, these guys may push Andre Smith for a spot because they can play special teams. So it's not right. always about backing up the top guy. It's about getting better and the bottom of the roster as well and lifting up that that part of the roster, like the Mitch Trubisky signing. He's a better backup than Barkley. Like if Josh went down, we were done. Mitch, similar skill set. Same thing here. You're yeah. you're bringing up the bottom of your roster. Maybe you're advancing your special teams. Maybe it even makes Matikavich expendable. I know that's a guy that everyone wants to cut. Even though he took a pay cut, they still want to cut him. But he's a great special team. So maybe this does that. Maybe they get rid of Matikavich and Smith. And then they've got guys who are really good at special teams, but they can also step in and start. So that's that's the next evolution of this team. Brandon Bean had a four-year plan, a five-year plan. That's the evolution. You know, get the quarterback, get the middle linebacker, get the young players, surround them with veterans, get better veterans as those ones expire. Now build the depth. This is this is how Super Bowl teams are built, right? Like this. Yeah, and to your point too, is they've been they've been pretty adamant about how they feel about special teams. I mean Say what you want about Medikevich and his contract, and I've been pretty harsh on his contract, but he did the right thing. You know, he he took a little bit less money this year. Um, he let the Bills in special teams tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, say what you want about, about Smith, but he he in eleven games he played eighty five percent, ninety percent of the special team snaps. Sure. So they're they're putting in, in this huge push on special teams. That's why they brought back Taiwan Jones. People were always like, "Why are we bringing back Taiwan Jones? He's taking up a roster spot." He is one of the catalysts of that special teams unit. And we all we've also probably not thought about this. Taiwan Jones used to be a returner. We all we always yeah. immediately assume that he's a gunner, right? But if we can't figure out heading into the season or after preseason or there's an injury or whatever happens with the draft and we need someone to return, kicks or he was an all pro. And everybody, I, I've said that to somebody on Twitter, and everybody, they lost their mind. They're like, you're full of it. I said, go look. Go look it up. The guy can return kicks and punts. And I'd rather have him doing it than Micah freaking Hyde. Fair catching a punt for some godforsaken reason. So, anyways, so four signings. I absolutely think that these, just like Charlie said, these are good signings to not just be depth signings, but to also push the other guys that we already had on the roster to compete for you know the, the bottom – 53 or the bottom of the 53 to push to push competition to making the active roster. So um, if you guys don't follow Sal Sports, Dr. Pascio on Twitter, you're you're missing a lot of stuff. He does a lot of good work. He puts a lot of information out there. So we talk about the offseason. Everybody calls it bean season, right? So I have a chart here. It's tracked. Everybody we've retained, signed, lost, and all the bills free agents that are still available. So I'm going to pull that up right now. Um, And how Brandon Bean, with the amount of salary cap money we had heading into the league year, was able, even before before the tampering period started, was able to do all of this is absolutely, he's going to get GM of the year. If all this stuff here continues and this team makes a run like they did last year. So we've retained nine players from the last from last year's roster. Daryl Williams, Feliciano, Bacher, uh Jordan Devy, which I, that's a practice squad guy. 
Isaiah McKenzie, Tywan Jones, Matt Milano, Andre Smith, and Levi Wallace. 12 new players with no money. He signed 12 new players. I won't list them all. They're all there. That includes everybody that we just signed as a, up to yesterday. Only lost seven players. A lot of these guys, I think it was just a mutual. I think it was a time. It was time for them to kind of move on. Um, and then out of the list of still unsigned, I'll ask both of you guys. And I'll leave the graphic up there. Hey, Rich, out of that list, which of these guys do you think has a chance to make it back on the Bills roster? Uh, sneaky chance, uh, Dean Marlowe. Dean Marlowe, we know we have ties with the Carolina Panthers organization and Brandon Bean from before he came to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we'll see what best, what, with what the best player available approach brings to the Buffalo Bills in this NFL draft in 2021. Uh, if we get that guy that could be that hybrid safety, we might not see no more Dean Marlowe. If we don't, if other players are better available and suited for the Buffalo Bills, Dean Marlowe may come into the fold after the draft. But we'll see what happens with Dean Marlowe. And I think he would be the, the, the more likely to be re-signed out this bunch. And you got to remember, too, last year, he, he signed late last year. Like, he was kind of hanging out there for a little while last year, and it was kind of on the fence if he was going to come back. Um, Charlie, what do you think? You kind of agree with Akeem or my vote is for the legend, the man himself, Corey Bohorquez. I think they made a mistake with this other guy they've got. I've been on the Corey B train for two years. I finally heard something I thought I'd never hear in my life. My man. Joe Marino lamented the release of Corey Bohorquez. We need to get that legend back on the team. I think the way he flips the field is incredible. I think it masked a lot of stuff. The Bills had a lot of stop and start drives. There were a lot of drop passes still, some miscommunications. Josh wasn't great on his checkdowns. And there were times where we stalled out at the 30. And Corey's hitting it to the five-yard line. I mean, I think that that's super important. So I, I think that at some point this year, calendar year, the season, Corey B is going to make another appearance on the Buffalo Bills roster. You think so? See, I, I heard that he, and I don't have sources, but I, I saw what some people that were are in the media, um, the Bills media, said that he didn't like the initial tender offer that they gave him. And he thought he was going to be able to get more on the open market. I think he got some bad advice, to be honest with you. I think he got some bad advice from an agent or yeah. somebody else in the NFL circle. And he said, okay, I led the NFL a 50.8 yard average last year. Right. I'm going to go test the market. And then Matt Hack comes walk Matt Hack comes walking in and says, This is my job. Now, Matt Hack's not a bad punter at all, by any means. I no, mean I, he, I mean you know, if you if you go he's look a different at different punter, he's a different he's a, punter. Which is the thing because I think Bahork has finally got into, and I think people got used to the fact that first off we didn't punt a lot, and second off, Bahorkas did what he was supposed to do: hang time, let your guys tackle. There was times, yes, when he'd pin teams inside the five, but I think the Bills' special teams, when when we're giving up the ball, I think it's more about. Let's get the ball up in the air and let, let's get our guys to rally to the ball and make tackles instead of just kicking it as far as you can and hope that we can get down there and cover the punt. You know what I'm saying? So Right, because we'll he, we'll he did out kick the coverage a, a few times. So I'm sure right. they're just like, look, man, like we need a guy who's going to 
give us some touchback, right? Some good, some good field position within the 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 ten yard line, fifteen yard line. He's not going to outkick it. So I see why they did it, but I'm just saying if they stall out at the twenty, this guy's not kicking it to the other team's five. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just not happening. So. True that, true that. All right, let me hit the comment section. Um, Matt Hack is also the guy that uh, could not tackle Isaiah McKenzie in Week 17. So if you guys want to go take a look at our well, our we need puncher. to release him then and have somebody else sign him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Vlad Vlad brings up a good point. Nobody signed Bojo yet, so he's still chilling out there. I don't know yeah, if he's, he's 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 holding out. He knows he knows they're gonna call him. He's just hanging out out there. So all right, so we got that out of the way. So I forgot to mention at the top of the show. Um, oh, oh, wait, I'll, I'll come back to this because now I'm getting all out of whack here. I saw some comments about this, but I'll get back to it. So depth chart, projected lineup. What do you guys think? This looks familiar, doesn't it? I mean, you add Emmanuel Sanders in there and put Star back in there. This looks pretty familiar, right? Is this what Bill's fans are talking about when they want continuity consistency hey rich what do you think is this is this what our starting lineup is going to look like uh that's that's what it looked like i'm hoping uh we draft players of impact you know that that can maybe force some people's hands but as of right now this this looks like uh the starting lineup for the buffalo bills i mean that's going to segue right into our our next our next topic because if you look at this right here, you got a runner-up for MVP in Josh Allen. You have a, a, a second-year and a third-year running back in Singletary Moss. You got Stephon Diggs. You got Gabe Davis, Manuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. You have your, your franchise left tackle, your franchise right tackle. I think there's some wiggle room in the middle uh, of the, the interior with the guards. And then you got Mitch Morse. And then defense, you're basically bringing back everybody, and then you're inserting in Star Latula back in, and then Dane Jackson is going to compete for CB2. So what what th this segues perfectly. What position or in the draft is going to change any of that that we're going to draft? You know what I'm saying? Like break it down for me. Like what can we do in the draft? And I'll, I'll even take it one step further. What can we do at number 30? That's going to impact that. Either one of you guys can go first. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so here's my thing. When you meet certain expectations and certain standards, you now have new expectations and new standards. You don't have this. This is not the same shit no more. We reached here. Now it's here. Is right. that starting lineup good enough to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's cute. We bring it back to starting lineup. Yeah, we're going to be good. I, I know we're good. Are we good enough to win the Super Bowl? That's what. That's my expectation right now. So if we're not good enough to win the Super Bowl, I don't want to hear shit about uh, a general manager of the year. Uh, uh, I don't want to hear none of that. Right. <laughs> it's about winning the Super Bowl. We set a bar. Now the other bar must be set. And that other bar is the Super Bowl. And right now, I love what we did, but I have to call a spade a spade. We brought back the same team. We brought, uh, we remain status quo, and that same team is not good enough to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the same team. I don't want to mimic Albert Einstein's quotes. 
Insanity is doing something over and over and expecting the same and expecting different results, right? Yeah. I don't want to fall into that trap. So uh, that, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. don't think you don't think that inserting uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Dane Jackson and bringing back Star put us over the top no, is what you're saying? No, I don't. I'm I can't. That. I can't disagree. I can't disagree with you. Um, Charlie, what's your what's your thoughts? And I'll I'll put the the lineup back up there. I agree hundred percent, and that's what I was trying to tell people when they came for me on Twitter when I said I didn't like the Milano and Feliciano resignings. Like, yeah, they might not get a guy to replace Feliciano, but they should. That's my point. They should, and I understand. Like, there's gonna be, I don't know, fifty five offensive linemen in the draft. You can't get one. There's, there's not one out there that you think can compete. Like, that's my point. You watch the game. It's athletes and it's speed. Show me show me in the, that right there in the defensive backfield who's athletic and fast. Seriously. I mean, seriously, objectively, who's a fast athlete at the cornerback position? Show me on the defensive line. I Mario Addison, 34-year-old Mario Addison. I mean, come on, like the pass rush isn't good enough. There's just things that need to be done. And, and is Brita good? Like Brita, yes, thank you. That's what I wanted. I wanted guys with speed. Make Kansas City afraid of our speed. Make them afraid of our athletes. And that's what wasn't happening. And it just wasn't. Before you go, A Rich, hold on. Smash the like button, please. I'll and kung fu chop it, drop the people's elbow, clothesline it, drop some Easter definitely. eggs on it for Easter for us. Whatever you're into, smash the like button, subscribe, share this. A rich continue. And this is and to piggyback off Charlie and 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 spin and spin is hot in the comments right now. And I and just I want love, to say and, that. And I love and I love spin, but I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills did. I, I I don't mind what they did in terms of bringing back the guys. I, what I'm saying now is in the draft, we need immediate impact players to put us over the top. I'm not uh, I don't think we can we can draft guys in the first and second round to be developmental guys and expect developmental guys and guys that that can't be immediate impacts to take us over the hump. We need uh, immediate impact players with our first second. I'm gonna take it as far as our third round picks. We need immediate impact players to go along with the, the, the guys we have, the young guys that still have to develop in Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver and Josh Allen and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and Gabriel Davis. We need to hope that those guys develop combined with immediate impact players in this 2021 draft to put us over the hump. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, so I would just say to spin too, like, I know, but we just our previous segment was about how Brandon Bean is so great and how he got all this stuff without any salary cap money. I'm not saying he's got to go out and give a guy 45 million dollars who runs fast. He got Matt Breida. That's what I wanted. I wanted that. Now you don't have to draft Travis Etienne or or Chuba Hubbard because you got Matt Breida for what 143 thousand dollars and a pack of Salem's hot dogs. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> like they don't have to be starters. They don't have to be future Hall of Famers, but. <laughs> Impact Come on, players. man! Impact like they players. have to be better. You you don't you don't want to upgrade Dane Jackson? 
He's a seventh round pick who played three games, and we're like, man, Dame Jackson next Deion Sanders. No, like, of course, there's things he can do. He's been doing them. He's signed like 35 guys. Like, come on, don't. I just want someone to be fast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> athletes, I want athletes. Yes, come on. And we have to. And I'm gonna. I want to. I want to kind of go off on a tangent too. But um, we. We got to remember that not every signing that Brandon Bean makes is going to be one that's going to knock knock the doors off. We need 90 guys on the roster. There's going to be a bunch of the signings that came through this past week and the week before were like, nobody knows who Brandon Powell is, but let's go watch film. Oh my God, he's fast. So we all need to, re- we all need to relax. All right. Oh, and one not- more thing about their tackles. Mitchell Schwartz in the first game against the Bills, he played eight snaps. And then he got hurt, and he didn't play again. And then they beat us again without him. Uh-huh, so, like, uh-huh. I understand they released their whole offensive line. They beat us twice without the guy who's supposedly the one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Twice. The guy who can I mean, do the Rubik's Cube. And, uh, they'll probably do it again. I mean, they, they did it without him. I haven't looked up Eric Fisher yet, but but I can. I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. No, you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, Sal Agro, is this the comment that you're talking about here? Charlie, you guys are nuts. KC lost their whole offensive line. Yeah. Like like, chances. I mean, Mahomes will be okay. average. Um, they just signed one of the best guards. Anybody, either of you guys, I'll, I'll lay it up there for you guys. Who did, who did the Chiefs assign? Who did they just give? Oh, Joe, Joe Tooney. Tooney. Joe Tooney. Tooney. $80 million. So mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're making things work. So, the Chiefs are still going to be the Chiefs as long as Andy Reid is the head coach. I'm sorry. They'll they'll find ways to compete and be and be good. And as long as Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, that's the team that we need to beat. Um, and here's another thing, and I'm, I'm going to go off on a rant here again. We need to stop thinking that because we went one season 13-3 and three, that we're just going to automatically be the AFC, in the AFC championship again, yes. game again. Okay. There's a lot of things that went positively for the Bills in 2020 that one snap of a finger or something else and it could have went completely different they held the ship together in a really awkward pandemic season but just because we got it once doesn't mean that it's going to happen again there's a lot of things that happen in an nfl offseason and nfl preseason and nfl season and we can't just take it for granted that We've made the playoffs three out of four years, so all of a sudden we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to win the AFC East. We're going to ha- we're going to be the best team in the AFC. We're competing for the Super Bowl. It's not it's not that easy. It's not that easy. So everybody needs to just understand that, like these moves that Brandon Bean's making, and if we're criticizing them, we should be because we want to take the next step. Like A. Ritz said, you can't. I got so much, and I'm gonna get. I'm getting super fired up. I got so much crap for what I said about John Feliciano on this show when I said that we. I understand the signing, and it's nice to have a really good insurance swing interior lineman, but we can do better at, at guard. Now we can't have five Pro Bowlers. I understand that. That's few and far between. There's probably two or three teams in the last ten years that have had five really exceptional linemen but if we're just bringing back the same guys we're going to need to upgrade somewhere else 
because we can't just bring back the same guys and, and, and compete with the same teams and do the same things. Or we're going to expect Josh Allen to throw for 5,500 yards and 55 touchdowns and have this insane offense. So that's that's my rant. I'm so, I, I apologize, guys. I took the show uh, off, off the rails. And, and there's so. nothing wrong with, again, with what the Buffalo Bills did. They brought right. the band, they brought the band back together, and there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is, and the point that I want to clarify is, we have to nail this goddamn draft. We have to nail this draft. We need immediate impact players, fast, physical, and athletic players from this 2021 draft, combined with this great team that we already have, to take us over the top. That's that's all I'm trying to say. We need we need to nail this draft. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I, I, I agree, and I, I think there's three or four things that are pretty obvious, right? A big nickel or a cornerback, too, a pass rusher, an offensive guard. I mean, Hughes and Addison might be gone next year. Addison certainly will, and Hughes the year after. Who is your starting defensive line, Epinesa and Mike Love? I mean, come on. And let me ask you one more thing real quick. Did the Colts get better at quarterback? Reuniting Carson Wentz with Frank Reich? We beat them by three points. We needed a pick six to beat the Ravens. We didn't like go into the playoffs and blow guys out. It didn't happen. We squeaked by those teams. And we got slaughtered. I know that's a big word. Twice by the Chiefs. I mean, come on. All right. So I'm going to read this comment. Uh, Thomas Burke says, uh, we want 13 and three FC championship game. Stop the hate. Uh, you're looking for change for change sake. If you focus on the Chiefs, you won't even win the division. I'm focused on the Chiefs because the Chiefs were the best team in the AFC last year, and that's including our Buffalo Bills. I'm not concerned. I'm a little concerned about with what some teams have done in the AFC East. In it, it's not even the draft yet, but I feel like even if the Miami Dolphins draft the best offensive weapons in the entire draft, the Bills are still the team to beat in the AFC East. So, yes, I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs because that's the team that tanned our freaking hide twice last year. We had no answer for them. They ran the ball one game. They passed the ball the other game. We couldn't figure out it either time. So, yes, I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. And that, if you watch any press conferences from Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, they've talked about the standard in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's who they're trying to beat to get to the Super Bowl. So that's that's my take on that. So what do you guys think? And one thing one thing real quick, both teams that were in the Super Bowl are on our schedule this year. Yep. So we're going to find out real quick where the Bills stack up. We play the AFC South and the NFC South. So we'll see. I'm glad that you brought up the schedule because, like I said earlier, I forgot to show this. As you guys all know, there is a Week 17 and I think the NFL should have waited because now they've tipped their hat and everybody knows who plays who week 17. Not that that's a huge deal, but you know how the schedule release is like this huge annual thing everybody gets freaked out about. So <laughs> the NFL came out and said that there is, in fact, 100% book it 17th game this season. And just so happens that the Buffalo Bills get to play not Conor McGregor, that's Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Washington football team. Week 17, that's a home game for the Bills. Um, they're going to rotate every year which, I guess, which divisions or which conferences get the, the ninth home game. 
and next year the NFC will get the ninth home home game. I guess that's a way to be fair. Um, how do you guys feel about seventeen games? This this is something that I I kind of was talking about with some folks uh, DMing on Twitter, and I have mixed feelings about it. How do you guys feel about having a seventeenth game? I'm a traditional guy. I'm a I'm a if if it's not. And revenue, adding the seventeenth game, you can add more money. We saw uh, uh, last season because of the COVID things that uh, preseason wasn't uh, a necessity. So even bringing back a preseason for two, three games and adding an extra game on the back end, the NFL can make money and generate revenue. So at the end of the day. It's about that dollar, and if the NFL can make more dollars, they're going to try to modernize this NFL, and one way to do that and create more revenue is adding a 17th game and still not feeling like the NFL players are doing as much because they can lessen the load on the front end in training camp in the preseason. My my thing is, and Charlie, I'll get your take here in a second. My thing is, like, what's going to happen when someone breaks – all these single season records for passing yards, passing touchdowns, receiving yards, receptions, rushing touchdowns. Someone at some point is going to break it in the 17th game. So are we going to asterisk all these statistics now? Like, are we going to go by average per game? Like on top of that, the NFL just signed this massive deal with all these TV networks, massive deal, the biggest in history, which it's insane. And now they're adding a 17th game, another week, an 18th week of the season. They better start figuring out the salary cap stuff really soon. Like they, they need to come out soon and say, Hey, we're going to allow 50 to 75% capacity of fans or whatever, because these teams need to make some revenue. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Like they're making money. I, I don't. I just don't know. Like players' contracts are going to have to be structured differently now, right? Because yeah. of a seventeenth game, right? I think I there's mean, a they- lot of different questions that haven't really been addressed yet. Like, for instance, I'm not sure if they've really clarified where in the schedule it's going to fall. I I don't know if it's necessarily the seventeenth game or right. if it's going to be you know week four for some teams and week ten for other teams. I don't know if if that's been. And my original what I originally heard and maybe they, they change this after next year is it was supposed to be international. Like this 17th game was supposed to be international neutral site games. They were all supposed to be neutral site, but right. obviously international travel isn't what it was. Right. And maybe in the future it will be again. So yeah. So are they going to give, are they going to adjust the players contracts up or are they just going to divide that number by 17 instead of 16? Um, I've also read some stuff where, the league really wants to get to 18 games. And if they do get to 18 games, they would mandate that every single player was sat down at least one game. So each player would only be active for 17 games. Um, You also have to wonder if this brings in some stuff from the NBA about load management, right? Where like LeBron just won't play one day. Like maybe they're just going to sit Josh Allen and you don't know which game it's going to be to for load management. So stuff like that. I also, this is not to go too far off the topic, but there's also 
rumors and thoughts that the NFL wants to get up to 40 teams at some point. So just keep that in mind in terms of roster size and, and TV contract and, and the amount of games. And, and, and this is a big push into Europe. Is It's what's coming. You know, London, Germany, I think that's going to be the next, um, the next thing. So that's why these games, they want these games international eventually. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy. All right, let me hit the comment section because they're going nuts. And and why and while you're hitting the comment section, you don't think they're thinking about fantasy football as well? You don't think they're thinking about uh possibly making that more meaningful in, in, in the in the betting aspect as well? Everything sure. I think uh plays a role and plays a part in into this into this extra game. And they're the only league that hasn't really expanded internationally. And they're the, the most popular money-making league in America, and they've barely done anything internationally. Imagine, like, you know, how big that would be for them if they got into Germany and China or wherever, you know, I don't know, South America. Absolutely insane. All right, so we're going to move the show along. I appreciate each and every one of you. First off, I'm going to keep doing this until I get this like count up. My counter on uh, StreamYard here is a little low off of what I can actually see on YouTube. So I'm still going to do this because I need you guys to smash the shit out of the like button. Please, wherever you're watching, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you share this video. Okay, so next segment is, is my favorite of the show. All right, I got some tweets that made their way around the Twitterverse this week. Um, I'll start off with one. This is for this. This one's going to be for A. Rich because this is one of his guys. So this comes from Tony Pauline. He was at the Tulsa Pro Day, and our boy Zayvon Collins is a freak. He ran a four five six forty, um, nineteen bench press reps, which is decent. Um, Ten foot two broad. So A. Rich. If this guy's there at 30, are you taking him? Uh, I got a chance to talk to Zavin a little bit and ask him about See his what versatility. I did yeah, <laughs> I, I got a chance to talk to him and ask him about his versatility, and I like his answer. Uh, he said he could come off the edge if need be. He said he could play that weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker. He could couple uh, cover multiple positions, and uh, that is exactly – he was saying exactly what the Buffalo Bills needed. And I know he's 6'4", 260 pounds, and have that that size and athleticism. If if we was to stay at 30 and if he, if he's on the board, I would definitely uh, consider drafting a, a, a Zayvon Collins, depending on what cornerback is on the board as well, because Zayvon Collins is a piece that if you're a good defensive coordinator, like I think I, our defensive coordinators are, uh, you would find a place for, for good football players on the football field. So Zayvon Collins, I really like, and uh, he's definitely a name I'm going to watch on draft day. I like it. I like it. And if you guys haven't, he's 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 being so humble right now. If you guys haven't, once the video is over, go back to our channel. It's a few videos down. A. Rich was able to do some pro day interviews with a, a, a bunch of the really good name prospects that are in this this year's NFL draft. Check it out. It's about three minutes long. It's a rich asking some really good questions and the guy's giving him some really good answers. So check that out if you guys haven't already. Okay. So next one, this from our guy, Sal Capaccio, uh, Terrell Adams. Did you guys all know that Terrell Adams was actually on the team in 2017? He failed a physical and now he's back. 
What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, the Bills have I, a history of doing this stuff. Right, right? and that's like, and that's kind of why, like, when you bring guys in for visits, whether it's the draft or training camp or stuff like that, you know, are you here during the regular season? Oh, you know, the Bills brought in so and so for a visit. They they keep you know those people in mind. They keep notes on those visits. They they try to find their players, and then maybe a year or two in the future. That's why, even though you're picking a pick thirty, you're still scouting the guys who are going to be taken. 10th overall because look what happened with Trubisky yeah. the Bills you know mm-hmm. they didn't need a quarterback right but they're still going to scout him because maybe he becomes a free agent and you want him as your backup the The league is all about relationships that's what the pro personnel department's for so you 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 circle back to a guy that failed the physical you still like his skill set you still like him as a player you still think he can be the best version of himself at one Bills drive and now you need some more veteran help. He's available. And now you can make that, that marriage between the team and the player happen. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, they went, Bean went after him, got him yeah. the third time. Bean went I after mean, Diggs and Sanders and got them two years in a row, right? <laughs> yeah. Bean, John yeah, Brown. And, John Brown. Yeah. And same thing with, yeah, with John Brown. And, and Bean also wanted Diggs at the trade deadline in 2019. Yeah. So. All right, next one up. I like this one. I actually posted this on my actual personal Twitter and I made a little graphic for our Facebook Instagram. Uh, Josh Allen's completion percentage from 2020 was 69.2, which is higher than any season by Tom Brady. Really? I Yeah. In fact, you could fact check that too. I, I fact checked it because I didn't believe it. When I saw this tweet <laughs> yesterday, I fact checked it. That's the highest. Brady was 68.9 is the highest he's ever been. What do you, yeah. Hey, Rich, what do you think about that? You know why that's so impressive? That is so um, impressive because Josh Allen still refuses to check down the goddamn football. (laughs) (laughs) So you mean to tell me he has a 69.2 completion percentage better than Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, we all know, loves to check down to James White, loves to check down to Kevin Folk, loves to check down to all his running backs uh, since he's been with the New England Patriots. So that is an impressive stat. Uh, for Josh Allen. Imagine what his completion percentage could be if he checked down the football a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and how long did did Brady have Edelman just <clears throat> slant route, slant route, yeah, slant route, West just Walker. standing there, Wes Walker just standing there in the middle of the field wide open or even covered just five yards, eight yards, five yeah, yards, eight almost yards. almost like Drew Brees with Michael Thomas, right? He walks two steps and then he just throws him the ball. Yeah. All right. So this next one and the last one is kind of cool. And it comes from Adam Schefter. And it's probably one of the only times that I will ever give Roger Goodell props. Um, He said he wants full stadiums in 2021. Now, obviously, every state has their own mandated guidelines for public gatherings and things like that. But what this does do is this pushes the envelope a little bit um, because like the state of New York, you're going to get a whole bunch of revenue coming in. If people are going to bills games, right? You're going to get the revenue from all the, the surrounding area, all the business, the businesses around there. And you're going to look like a great guy saying, yeah, we reopened. I think this is a huge deal because can you imagine, I, there's a couple things I want to, I want to take away from this. And I want each of your guys opinions on this first, the, the first tailgate, if they have full capacity, sell out bills, bills, mafia, it's going to be absolutely insane. But 
where I really wanted to go with this, and I'll ask both of you guys, how is the Bills going to – how are the Bills going to perform in 2021 if there's full stadiums? Do you think Josh Allen plays differently? Do you think our defense plays differently? Hey, Rich, what do you think? Um, everybody has to play with the same type of, of – of situations, right? So if it's full stadiums for Josh Allen, it's going to be full stadiums for everybody else in the NFL. Are they going to play differently? Do we expect any changes from them? So uh, I think it's an even playing field, whether whether it's full full capacity or, or empty stadiums. So I think the Buffalo Bills is going to be fine. I think Josh Allen is going to be fine. Charlie, what do you think? Do you think that yeah. having no fans in the stands uh, affected – because we all saw how – in 2020, the offense was way ahead of the defense coming out the gate, right? Everybody was saying that this yeah. is going to be the most points scored in the history of the NFL. The defense usually doesn't take this long to catch up. What's going on? Well, there's no crowd noise. If you're a, if you're an away team, there's no crowd noise. So you, do you think that this is something that's going to – the defense is going to catch back up if we got – it's the same playing field for everybody? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, if you if you go look at the, uh, the average, like, team offense stats – the it, the middle team is usually around 21 points scored and this year i think it was 24 for the team that was like 16th so there was definitely some advantage for the offense and and it's funny that you said that because uh, like 2 or 3 months ago i was talking to someone and i said you know last year they had the analogy of okay well you know Josh Allen is Blake Bortles and the Bills are the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Like for Josh, it's always like okay i want to see you do this and i'm the same way i'm not going to lie like i want to see you progress Josh so now the next thing is that people are going to say, and you're going to start hearing this in, in June and July, is, well, he didn't do it with fans. Let's see him throw for 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns with opposing fans screaming at him, right? Like that's going to be the next thing because, in fairness, he hasn't played at that level in front of hostile fans. I mean, it's it's a fair point i mean you can't say it isn't in a way now do i think that he can do it of course i think he can do it but still it's kind of the things is like i'll definitely believe it when i see it but the bills have too good of a team to to let you know crowd noise affect them too much and i think there will be full stadiums um i mean i was on record last year that i didn't even think they should play the season like i'll i'll say it i didn't think they should have played the season i just thought it was too dangerous but hey they did water under the bridge do I think that they'll have full stadiums? Yeah, but you know, prepared to be prepared to get tested or get vaccinated, or you're not getting in, no matter you know what state you're in. I can pretty much guarantee you that that might be an NFL thing that they they um, they institute. But the NFL wasn't going to go two years in a row with lost revenue like that. It just wasn't going to happen, you know. And and if anybody has an advantage, it's the Buffalo Bills. We have the best fans in the world. We have the we fill up the stadium. We get the loudest, and we travel the best. So yeah. now that there are full stadiums, if anybody have advantage, it, it, it's the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. I think Josh Allen will be fine. And this is a good comment from Lone Wolf. Um, home crowd noise help our D for eight games next year slash nine whenever they play the Washington football team. I, I think it does definitely help. Um, I think that. I think this year is going to be, and I've been saying this, and I don't want to go too far off topic here, but I've been saying this for a long time, probably since the season ended, that this year our the defense, there was just too many negative things that were compiled against them for them to be as successful as they were. 
years previous, the injuries, lack of preseason, all the new guys that were mixed in there trying to make that rotation work, um, having star out. Now I'm not saying stars, the savior on the defensive line, but there was just a lot of stuff that happened. Um, you get all those guys back, you get all the part, the, the puzzle pieces put back together. I think that we come back and be a top five defense. So, all right. I think that is going to be just about it. I did want to touch on, um, we never really discussed. A lot of people are talking about pick 30 and I want to talk about this for just a second. Hey, Rich, would you take a running back at pick 30? Say Najee Harris is sitting there and Brandon Bean has told the public that, or from the way he's constructed this offseason roster, it looks like he's building it to take best player available. I mean, would we agree on that? The way that he's gone for depth and middle to bottom tier roster acquisitions, it looks like it's best player available because we don't have glaring holes. You could talk about CB2 and things like that, but are we at best player available? I think I think we're at that point where it is it is best player available, but uh, I, I also believe that that player available should be able to make an impact. And that's why I think uh, the running back position, when we talk about the running back, you hear my son, uh, and you talk about the running back, I believe the Buffalo Bills are at a at a catch 22 because uh, we need better offensive line play. We need better interior offensive line play. If we get better interior offensive line play, I believe Zach Moss and, and the guys that we have available uh, can do the job. But if, if we're going into the season with the same offensive line that struggled to open up holes, then a guy like Najee Harris at 6'2", 230 pounds, that's a freak of nature. That's a completely different type of animal than Zach Moss and Devin Singletary becomes a bit more attractive. So that's why I think it's it's a catch-22 for our Bills, man, and it, it's, it's difficult to say. But I, I wouldn't draft usually a running back at in the first round at pick third. Why wouldn't you take a running back in the first round? What's your, uh, like, what's your rationale behind the and I'm not, I'm not. I'm not picking it. No, you. no, he, no. You know, I love it. I love it. I, it's, it's. It's so much. It's so much things that has to happen in in order for offensive. Uh, in order for a running back to be successful, your offensive line have to be able to generate and open up holes for you. And if you're open, and if your offensive line can do that, the players we have on the team, the running backs that we have on the team, especially now that we added Matt Breida with his explosiveness and speed is more than capable of getting through the holes that our offensive line opens up for our running backs. So uh, that's uh, that's just how I feel about the about the running back position. Charlie, what do you what do you think at 30? What position are you more likely to take um, regardless of I mean, are we best player available? Are you also in agreement that we're the way that we're at right now is pretty much best player available at at thirty? If yeah, if we I, if you have to stay at thirty, there's no yeah. trades, there's no nothing else going on. I think Brandon Bean has done a good job of building the roster to a point where if they can't get a player, like say they just can't get an offensive lineman, they like. They'll they're good enough to get by. If they can't get a cornerback too that they really like, they're good enough to get by. So I think that's what they did. 
as far as what I would want them to take at pick 30, I think that the talent in the edge class is being slept on maybe a little bit, maybe not now because the pro days are coming through and, and there's some crazy numbers from guys like Jalen Phillips. But if you could get a guy like Quiddy pay or Jalen Phillips, I, I just think that, that the uh, getting a guy who can really get after it on the other side of Jerry Hughes with star back, which allows Ed to really kind of play where they want him to play. I think that'll make a big impact. So that's where I would want to go. That's what I would want them to do is if there's a guy like that there, that's what I want to take because for the future, because those guys are old, but also for now, like I want as much pressure as I can get because the, the bills might see four rookie quarterbacks on their schedule this year. They play the Falcons. They play Tua. Um, they play the Panthers and there's, there's one other team that I can't think of right now at home. And so the crowd noise, you know, the defense, stuff like that, I, I would really like them to, to take a, an edge rusher if they have to stay at 30. And depending on what the Jets do. Right, and the Jets, right, there's I mean, that still, yeah. Arnold's a bridge, yeah, who knows. But my, I'm going to play devil's advocate for both of you guys. Um, when was the last time an edge rusher was drafted in the 30s that made an immediate impact? On the roster. Um, I mean, I would say that that, and this isn't gospel, obviously, but I think that in a in a lot of people's um, mock drafts, the the edge rushers aren't even like going off the board um, until the late twenties. And I know people are going to say, "Well, okay, well that's just a mock draft." Like, what does Dane Brugler know? Um, but those guys get calls from teams all the time. Matt Miller, Dane Brugler, Mel Kiper. They, they get calls from teams, and the teams will be like, hey, you've got that guy too low. I hear that the Patriots really like him. And Doug Whaley, I heard him on a podcast last week, and he confirmed that. He says he said that teams know the draft order and more or less what other teams are going to do based on the big-time draft Twitter guys' mock drafts because they know that other teams call those guys. So if these guys are projecting edge rushers to fall, because it's it's quarterback heavy, it's wide receiver heavy, then you know they're gonna fall a little bit. So no, but to answer your specific question, I'd have yeah. to look that up on yeah. Football Reference. <laughs> I, I know, and I, I yeah, and I, and I know every every mock I've seen, it's it looks like it's either with the Bills, it's either an edge rusher or a corn a cornerback at thirty, unless you do weird trades and stuff. So, hey, Rich, this same is, question for you. <laughs> this is this is the catch twenty two about the Buffalo Bills because. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, I spoke about traditionally you wouldn't draft a running back, but at the same time, uh, the Buffalo Bills need impact. And and who presents some right. impact? Uh, uh, Najee Harris is, a, is an immediate impact, right? Uh, guys like that is immediate impact. I don't necessarily think a defensive end this year is a particularly strong position. You know, so uh, in my opinion, I'm going to go offensive playmaker or I'm going to go cornerback with that with that number 30th pick, number 30 overall pick. I want a player of impact. And I know I'm going to get a player of impact if I draft a corner at 30, because if I do, I'm expecting to slot him in that CB2 beside Tredavious White. And it's a strong cornerback class. It's oh, a yeah. strong, it's a strong cornerback class. Or one of them's I'm, gonna fall to 30. Or I'm or I'm gonna get a player on the offensive side of the ball that's gonna that that's that that you have to think about. 
in terms of in terms of when you play the Bills. So we got we they got Kadarius Tony as well. They got Naj, Najee Harris as well. We got we got to think about these players, even though they're rookies. So immediate impact it doesn't matter if it's corner or offense. My my thought process on this, <clears throat> and I'm not a draft expert. I don't claim to ever be a draft expert. I I just I like talent. I know talent. And I can watch film on college players and me and Akeem, we're probably going to do some mock drafts here pretty soon, but I, I don't like the whole, you never draft a running back in the first round speech. I just, if, if you draft, if Najee Harris is sitting there at 30 and you have a chance to take a, tri- a, a generational talent, you take them. And I say this because everybody does the redrafts, right? The 2012, 2013, 2016, they all do the redrafts. Running backs are always in there now because they've dropped to the second or third round. So now they put them in there because of their production in the NFL. Well, it's a catch 22, isn't it? You're saying don't ever draft running backs unless it's a generational talent um, like a CMC or a Saquon Barkley or things like that. I mean, at 30, yes, you have to give them a fifth year option. I understand that, but you're still not paying him anything near what you're going to pay these guys up in the, up in the, you know, top 10, top 15. So to me, like Akeem said, give me immediate impact. If you don't think that a running back can't give you immediate impact, you don't know anything about the game of football. Running back is one of the easiest positions to translate to the professional game because a, a lot of the things will, will just translate easily. It's not like you're a tight end. And you have to learn a whole bunch of stuff that you never did before because you were never asked to block in college. Or it's not a corner that was a man corner was drafted into a zone scheme. And now he's got to figure some other things out. Like there's this whole don't draft a running back in the first round. I understand running backs can be found in the third round. We have two of them, right? We have two of them in consecutive years. And I'm not saying Devin Singletary. I'm not saying Zach Moss are not serviceable. And I sure as hell am not going to sleep on Matt Breida putting in some work and and surprising some people in this this, offseason and training camp. But I just just don't like the fact that you can't draft a running back in the first round. Get out of here. He's going to come in and he's going to compete for the starting position. And Najee Harris is a a generational player. Travis Etienne is a generational player. Javante Williams is, is is damn near close to a generational talent. And, and I don't know. Not, not only that, a lot of people would say you draft for Najee Harris in the first round. You don't want to give the running back a fifth-year option. I say, why not? I say the run, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, especially at 30, and we need an offensive playmaker. Why not get a fifth-year option on a on a Najee Harris? You don't want to pay running backs because uh, their their time and, and their prime is not long. But their fifth year, they're still going to be in that prime, right? So exactly. why not? Why not give them the four years, the fifth year option, and then let them go? Then I right, I, right. I, I got so, their best years. Everybody, yeah. said, you don't want to give so, the running back a fifth year option. Why? So, who yeah, told if, you that? Where did you get this from? I man. want a running back five years because I know is he going to be a little bit more expensive the fifth year? Yes, but I know he's going to give me that elite production. I don't know if he's going yeah. to give me that elite production six, seven, and eight years. And, so and that's what I thing, want. And here's the thing to your to your point, which is spot on, by the way. Here's the thing. So in his fifth year option, he's playing for a contract. 
his last, probably his last contract, right? Because he's probably 27, 28, 29 years old, right? Because he's been in the league for five years. When in his fourth year, you draft his replacement and you let him play with the guy who's on his fifth year option. And then you decide, I'm not going to pay this guy. I just drafted this guy. It may not be in the first round again, but it may be a serviceable back that can come in and replace his production. I just, I hate that you don't draft the running back. If the Bills were drafting third overall, I'd probably say don't draft a running back because that's a lot of money on a rookie right. contract. That's different. That's a different if you're scenario. drafting 30, 30, yes. Yes. three spots away from the second round, draft him. The difference in contracts as far as rookie contracts is insane. So people say, well, why don't we just wait to the third round to draft a guy? Why? So we can pass up on other guys that can be better than what we have now. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, last year was best player available. I get that. But how many running backs did we pass up to grab A.J. Epinesa and then we waited for Zach Moss? Like, that's all I'm saying. And I'm not I'm not dogging Zach Moss, and I know that he probably will be a really good running back in the NFL. But I don't know. I, I just – I'm fired up about the don't ever draft a running back at 30. Why not? Why not? What if he comes in and gives you 1,300 yards? And, and he and he catches 65 balls out of the backfield. And he's that, hey, Josh Allen, guess what? We know you don't like checkdowns. Get it to this dude in space once in a while and watch him take it 15, 20 yards. Like, they struggled in the screen game so bad this year because they had – Zach Moss was hardly there, and when they tried it with Devin Singletary, he was unreliable, so they just went away from it. So that's my, that's my rant on that. So – I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. Charlie, what do you think? You take a running back at 30? Um, I mean, I was really on that Travis Etienne train until they signed uh, Brita because I thought that he gave us the speed that I was looking for. I would say if it's Najee Harris, then I'm saying, well, then I need you to get Devin Singletary out of here. I, I just need him to go because I just don't see, like, now you got like five running backs, you know, and it's like, if, if Najee Harris is the guy, then he's the guy. Like, I don't want to have him have this competition with Singletary and we're going to pretend like, right. okay, well, he didn't this and maybe he's not going to beat him out. And I will say, um, you know, I'm not drafting a running back in the top 16 or 17. I'll tell you that. No way. I am not drafting Saquon Barkley that high. I am not drafting Christian McCaffrey that high. I am not drafting Todd Gurley that high. It's not going to happen. No way ever in my life. Unless it's Thurman Thomas. It's my boy <laughs> right there. But like, but at 30? Yeah. I mean, because at that point, look at the Chiefs. Like, they kind of were like, okay, well, we need, just need this one or two guys. So let's draft one of them at pick 30. And I think to, um, to A. Rich's point, I'm not fine. I'm fine with a running back on their first contract. I don't want any point of a rookie on his second contract. I don't want to re-sign right. Zeke to a second contract. Let him go. Let let I, Saquon go. Why are you why are you giving because you can see what happened with Dallas? They're signing all these guys and tying up all this money, and then the dude gets hurt. Like, let him go and draft another guy at 30 in five years from now. Like, after just the don't fifth sign year, him. After yeah, the fifth after year the fifth option, option, let the guy would, go. Or I would I would rather franchise a running back than pay him a long-term deal. Look at look at what Green Bay just did with Aaron Jones. 
Yeah, the franchise tax running back is like eight million 40, or something. It's yeah, like- forty-eight million dollars <laughs> for Aaron Jones. Um, I'm gonna take some comments because there's some good ones in here. I want to I want to get to. I want to pick your guys' brain on these. Lone Wolf said not opposed to drafting a running back, but it seems like we have bigger needs than that. And my point was, I don't know if there's a edge rusher in this draft that's going to be around at 30 that's going to come in and make an immediate impact. Number one, um, I don't think that Sean McDermott is going to start a defensive end. I think he's going to make him earn his snaps. Number oh, two, yeah. if, we're, if we're talking about a cornerback, Sean McDermott loves Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. So he, he it's this weird love fest with Levi Wallace – and you're going to have to do everything you can to, to beat out Levi Wallace. Now, to Averitz's point, and he'll always say that, that Levi Wallace should be the floor, and he's absolutely 100% correct. So if we draft Asante Samuel Jr., right, which I, I would be in love with at 30, we draft him, he falls to 30, and we draft him, I don't think he's starting. I think that either Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson is starting. I just think that that's the way McDermott makes it, unless he comes in and just blows everybody out in camp. Now, I want to get to this one because Jonathan Taylor was sitting there at 54. Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss? Yeah. I mean, what do you guys Jonathan, think? Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's, I, you know. <laughs> he was sitting there at 54. I'm, I'm, I'm almost. And so here's the, and, and here's the slight difference with me. See, Jonathan Taylor is, is that type of back, in my opinion. I'm, I'm specific with choosing my running back at 30. I want Najee Harris. If he if he's available at 30 specifically, I would go for him because, in my opinion, the other running backs, I can find what the other running backs, the other good running backs can do with uh, running backs later in the round. There's, there's guys like Travis Etienne uh, later in the round. They might not be as good, but there are guys with similar skill sets. Well, then, there so are then, no, what's, well, then what's the, the point? There are no guys with the similar skill sets like Najee Harris. Exactly. That, 230 pounds. Exactly. pounds. He's a transcendent player. If he's there, if that transcendent player, in my opinion, is there, I would choose him at third. And everybody wants to talk about, well, maybe it was the line. The guys didn't even get to play one snap together. The, the five that are slated to be the starters, Dawkins, Ford, Morse, Feliciano, Williams, they didn't play one snap together as a unit. Right. So everybody's saying, well, there, there, there wasn't that. Well, we didn't do this and we ran a lot of zone this and we didn't do a lot of that. The, the, the pick and pull and we didn't we didn't do a lot of that. OK, but there's no guarantee that if we go back to how we ran the ball in 2019, that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are going to get it right. But if you get a back that can do any of it at 30, why wouldn't you take it? Why would you just say, well, we can get a back in the fourth round? OK, we so you don't want to improve. That position isn't isn't Brandon Bean's philosophy to always look to add competition, but always looking to improve. We're always looking to improve. We're always looking to get better. Isn't that what we're doing? Because I can tell you that if Najee Harris comes in the way that he's he looks at the prospect that he is, he's better than Singletary and Moss. That's getting better at the position. I know first round draft picks are a crapshoot, but all right, that's my that's my spiel on that. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? We went a little bit long again today, about an hour and a half. If you guys haven't smashed the ever-loving you-know-what out of the like button, I'm going to put it up here one more time because everybody likes the Kung Fu Chai. All right, I'll get three in there. So You, you got that graphic of what it could look like with Najee Harris, by the way? Oh, you – oh. 
That's why. That's why we share. If okay, so for the for the audience out there, how sexy would it look? Oh, I want to get that out For the audience out there that don't know, me and Akeem actually share a brain. Like it's not even funny. Like we have tried to have arguments, and it just doesn't even work. So, PFF. First off, I got I got to say one thing about PFF. PFF put out a version of what I'm going to put out for the Baltimore Ravens, and said, "Who's stopping this?" So I kindly responded to PFF with Teron Johnson. PFF then came out the next day and put out a stat that Lamar Jackson has 50 career passing touchdowns in the red zone and no interceptions. I, I, you know, corrected them again with Teron Johnson again. So I just thought that was funny. But here, anyways, I just had to preface this whole story with that. But this was put out today. How does this look? And this doesn't even have Gabe Davis. This doesn't even have the other two running backs, any of our tight ends. Josh Allen, Najee Harris, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. How does that look? Mm-hmm. Hey, Rich, oh, I'll, I'll put it back up for you. you. You're getting a sneak peek, a, a close peek. Mm-hmm. How's that look? It, it, attractive. That looks attractive. That's that's like that's like when you see the bad girl in the club. Like, yeah, I, I, I want that. <laughs> I, I want this bad girl in the club. That's this is sexy. This is sexy. I can't. I can't deny it. It, it is definitely <laughs> sexy, and the the offense. Now, can you imagine a uh, uh, Zach Moss and, and Matt Breida and, and, and Matt Breida or, or Devin Singletary, whoever the other two running backs would be, uh, going with these guys? It's just it would be an an, an unstoppable force, in my opinion. It's, that's a that's a sexy graphic. Very sexy. Who, who put that graphic out? PFF. It was PFF. Man, I I can't. You know, typical PFF, right? I can't believe that they didn't put in my man Dawson Knox. Like, what is that about? <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? Like, all right. So, somebody mentioned this. I was watching. Uh, who was I watching on on ESPN? But they were talking about. Um, oh, it was Bleacher Report. That's who it was. Said that the worst offseason move. One of the top three free agent moves this offseason was the Bills signing Emmanuel Sanders. One of the so, three worst moves? Worst. One of the three. Now it's Bleacher Report, so take it for what it's worth. I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> you know, Bleacher Report. Mm-hmm. So I want to I talk about the reason why I brought that up is because we need to think about the future at wide receiver. Yes. I think we've we've gotten really good production let this past season but what are we going to do in two years when cole beasley who's on the other side of 30 um emmanuel sanders is not probably going to be here at that point um we have stefan Diggs under contract for a few more years we have gabe davis but like what are we doing this year because i think that we have an opportunity in these mid rounds and people are going to hate it. They're going to be like, what what are we doing? Why aren't we getting an edge rusher? And this is just my mocks. Like, why aren't we going after an edge rusher, a corner, another physical linebacker, an interior defensive lineman, a guard. Why would we draft a a wide receiver in the mid rounds when we're stacked at wide receiver? Like people aren't thinking of the future. Charlie, what do you think? Like taking a wide receiver earlier, than later because you can find a kick return guy in, in the seventh round or an undrafted guy to come in and compete. I'm talking about a guy that can actually be on this roster. 
What's your yeah. thoughts? And that was kind of my problem with the Isaiah McKenzie signing, actually. And I've been seeing some steam for wide receiver with the Bills' first pick, wherever it may be, whether they trade down or whether they leave it at 30. And I think the, the thought of that is, like McDermott said, you never want to lose your fastball. You want to always have bullets in your gun. Okay? So Sanders is probably gone after this year. Then what do you do? Then Cole Beasley's gone. What do you do? And I know there's people are going to be telling me, oh, well, you just move McKenzie into Beasley's role. And you just move, j- just move Gabe Davis. No problem. Okay, well, we don't know if Gabe Davis can do that. Like, right. we've seen Gabe Davis be a fourth wide receiver. Okay, cool. Is he a number two wide receiver? I don't know. But then what's behind them? Isaiah Hodgins, who we don't know anything about. Jake Kumaro, who we don't know much about. I mean, you know, Gentry, what, what are we doing here? And that, that was my thing is, is, is I want guys on the back end of the wide receiver room who we can move up when an older guy goes away. That, yeah. That's what I want. So, right. So if you, you're suddenly left with Diggs, McKenzie, Gabe Davis, and some guy, I mean, is that as scary as Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Stefan Diggs, and Gabe Davis? In my opinion, no. So I think the Bills are going to look to keep drafting receivers or signing receivers or something because that's what they are. They're a four-wide receiver passing offense. That's what they're good at. That's their their best thing. So you always want to have enough wide receivers. So I don't think it's crazy at all. And honestly, if they stayed at 30 and took a wide receiver, I'd be fine with it. Totally Kadarius fine Tony. with it. Kadarius Tony. Elijah Moore. Yeah. I mean, I'd be fine with it. Dwayne Farr, Dwayne Farr here. I, I like your comment. I, I'm just trying to understand. Uh, are we good for the next two years? Cole Beasley's coming off a broken leg. Emmanuel Sanders is 34 years old. Like, Everybody thinks that Gabe Davis, and I'm, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to talk, you know, any smack here, but Gabe Davis had a lot of plays where he was wide open because people weren't paying attention to the fourth wide receiver on the Bills <laughs> until later in the season, and then later in the season and in the postseason, we didn't see a lot of production out of Gabe Davis. I hate to say it because he had an amazing year; he had seven touchdowns. Um, he had a couple that were called back. We know about the toe drag swag along the sidelines. He's got in, he's got really good hands. He's a big guy. And maybe he can be number two, and we hope that that's the case. But right now, in 2021, heading into the draft, we don't know that. And like Charlie said, why wouldn't you just want to stack the deck for the future? Because Cole Beasley, love him or not, the guy is on the other side of 30, and he's coming back from a fractured fibula. Like, that's not easy to do, right? We know what Stefan Diggs is. We're going to get that production from him. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that they take a receiver early in the draft so anyways a rich what were you gonna say i fully expect gabriel davis to be our number two receiver for the foreseeable future uh if it's not next year and if it's not uh, this upcoming season in 2021 gabriel davis by 2022 will be talented enough to take on the number two wide receiver role but i still agree we have to add wide receivers and relatively early if we can uh, Cole Beasley, like you said, is on the other side of 30. Uh, he has two years left on his deal. Uh, after Cole Beasley's contract is up, I think we have to have that viable replacement in place. And as good as last year's wide receiver core was uh, in the draft, this year may be just as good, if not better. And they have a litany 
of, of slot receivers, Dwayne Eskridge, Elijah Moore, Randell Moore. This is the draft to get a slot receiver that can that can be a, a, a third, fourth, fifth wide receiver that, that can be in the locker room and develop. And by the time Cole Beasley's done and his contract is up, that player can take over. So uh, that's how I feel about the wide receiver position. But I feel Gabriel Davis will be the number two wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills for the foreseeable future. And and I, I think I think a lot of us agree with you. Um, but a lot, and I saw some comments coming through here, and this is my philosophy too, is and I've said this about a lot of things with the Bills roster, and people usually give me some crap for it, but I don't I don't ever want to have to hope that someone's gonna pan out to be something. I don't want to hope that Isaiah Hodgins is gonna make this roster. I don't want to hope that Cody Ford is gonna be a, a starting left guard for the foreseeable future. I, I don't want to. I want I want things that I know are actually there, like that are tangible, that I can see them and touch them. I know Stefan Diggs. I, I, I know what I've got, I got from him, right? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. Like, people, people are, I, I see all these things on Twitter and social media saying, why would we ever draft a, a wide receiver high? Because we're, we're one injury away from having what happened last year. Like, w- would you not want to add another speed element on offense? I mean, do we not want another big-bodied wide receiver so that we can actually be physical with the Kansas City Chiefs and how they played us with their secondary? It's just things like that. All right, last topic because I wanted to talk about it earlier, but we got thrown off track with the comment section and things like that. So um, if you guys haven't, I'm just going to keep doing this because I ha- we got comments We got comments on our, our last couple of videos that we don't say hit the like button enough because apparently a lot of people like our videos and don't hit the like button. So this is how this gets shot up the algorithm. Plus I get to play the Kung Fu. That's actually a soundbite from a Bruce Lee movie. Believe it or not. Comments also affect the uh, YouTube algorithm likes and comments. So if you want to leave a comment in the video um, or if you're watching it right, right now um, and it's not live, you're just logging on YouTube and you're watching it. If you leave a comment, um, that that helps the algorithm also. Yes, the crazy uh, the crazy thing that is the YouTube algorithm. Okay, what would you guys rather do? I'll ask Adrich first. Would you rather trade up in the draft to go get your guy, whoever it is, or trade back and get rid of your first round pick to acquire other picks? Uh, I would I would trade back. To get rid, I would get rid of my first round pick to acquire other picks. Uh, I believe that this is a deep draft at the positions that are weak for us. We can find positions at value in the mid rounds for offensive line, interior offensive line. We could find positions of value and find uh, starting caliber players at the cornerback position, possibly at the hybrid position. So why not accumulate accumulate more uh, draft picks, uh, early to mid round draft picks, and and add these players on your roster, fill out the roster that way, and try to accumulate more immediate impact players that can help this team win. So I would trade back. Daniel Garry's is yelling at me. Hold on, we're not paying enough attention to the chat because <laughs> there's like there's ten thousand between YouTube and Facebook. I'm sorry, Daniel Garry's. I apologize. <laughs> you the man. Uh, so Charlie, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm team trade back. I'm always team trade back because 
it goes back to my roots playing Madden. You know, I was the kid who played Madden and simulated the season because I wanted to get to the off season because I wanted to try to draft everybody and sign everybody. So for me, I see 10, 15 guys in the draft who I'm like, Oh, I want that guy. And so I want the bills to get as many picks as possible because I want them to pick all the guys that I want. And I think it's just smarter because we put so much emphasis on, we got to get these first round guys. We got to get these first round guys. And if you look at, at the league in general, there's a lot of guys who just come from the middle rounds. Look at Milano. Someone mentioned Elvin Kamara earlier. Philip Lindsay wasn't even drafted. Fred Jackson wasn't drafted. So we put so much emphasis on the first round, and we forget that there's six more rounds sometimes. And you're, you're still – if you trade back and you get an extra second or an extra third and a fourth, you're still getting, what, four of the top 100 players? That, that can be very impactful for your team. Right there, just those guys. And that's my point is, and I had this, I had this conversation with Greg Tomset on, on Twitter, and we were both really in agreement. It's trade back, acquire more day two picks. If there's a guy there that you want to get, you now have ammunition to go up and get that guy. So you trade back to 41, right? Go get your guy at 41. Who's the top in your top 50 on your board but you've also acquired some another pick later on. Use that to move back up. If there's another guy that's still there that you think has no chance that he would be there, you now have day two picks you can trade to move up. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not always about just acquiring the actual picks because a lot of these players, it's going to be hard for them to even make the bottom of our roster because of how how much depth we have. So a lot of these guys like the day three guys, the sixth and seventh round guys, they're going to have, it's going to be a struggle for these guys to make the practice squad. So if you're Brandon Bean and he's traded, he's traded up in the, on day two, I think three years in a row. Am I right? Yeah. He's traded up every draft he's been here. So why not? If you have more ammunition. And I also think that we're going to see more player trades on this draft because of the salary cap situation. So if you can acquire more, you know, another third or another fourth or fifth rounder, that may go a long way as far as acquiring talent that's not even in the draft as far as outside on NFL rosters. But, I, I, hey, if you could drop down into the early 40s and get a guy that you could have got at 30 because he slipped down to 40, 41, 42, and then you turn around and you can go back up from 61 to, to 48, 49, 50 and get two guys that you wouldn't have got or you could have gotten at 30 and now you got them at, at 40 something. I, I think you do it all day long. And now you can, like you said, Charlie, you can get four guys in the top, top 100 college players. Sure. Anyway, and maybe anyways, you use a sixth anyways. and a seventh to trade up, you know, a little bit more into the third or the fourth round. Right. And then right. you're just got four or five guys to, to your point. Um, I did want to uh, Brian Gilbert there in the chat has a, a thing that I'm very passionate about with Josh and his contract. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole today. But maybe we could talk about that at a different time. Um, you know, the rookie contract. Yeah, I, I don't just I don't believe in that at all. <laughs> I, I just I think, think that, that the rookie contract's a myth. So the cap money can be as good as you know. Uh, I, I think just, uh, I think that's a myth, especially with the salary cap going up. It's there's just, been you know, there's been a lot of shows about Josh and his contract, and right, rightfully so, because it's been told to us that we're gonna wait till after the draft. Brandon Bean doesn't want to exhaust uh, the whole process going through one bill's drive of everybody just thinking about 
you know Josh's contract and things like that. Yeah. And he's focused on he's fo- he was focused on free agency. The league year started. He's focused on the draft and scouting. Um, and I think Josh is completely understanding of how that works, having just gone through the process three, you know, through over through a little bit over three years ago. But everybody's got their numbers for Josh. Everybody's got their thought process on if Josh will take a team friendly discount, things like that. Um, and this show can go on for another hour if we start to talk about that. But we can do that a little bit more next time. I, I think that they gave him a five, six year deal, and I think it's not nearly as much as what everybody's talking about. Um, I just don't, I don't see, we saw, I'll just, I'll just drop this nugget and then I'll leave it at that. We saw what happened. It took, it might've taken a season, but we saw what happened to the Kansas city chiefs. Once they doled out a half a billion dollar contract, they actually already restructured Patrick Mahomes contract. So I don't think you're going to see 500, $600 million contracts. I think it's going to be shorter term deals, five, six years, things like that. That's just my opinion. He's worth every penny of forty-one to forty-five million dollars, and, and and not only that, that and not only that, we just saw Stefan Diggs sign a, a endorsement deal with Jordan. A Buffalo Bill is 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 uh, signing on Jordan brands. I think that's pretty unique. He's making money outside of the Buffalo Bills organization. A lot of people is talking about Stefan Diggs' contract and him needing more money him playing for the Buffalo Bills and then this endorsement deal, he's indeed making more money. Imagine the endorsement deals Josh Allen can make and the money he can make outside of football. It is entirely possible that Josh Allen would be willing to construct a deal and understand that he wants to bring championships in this Buffalo Bills organization. So he may take a lesser deal because he can get money outside of football. So there's a lot of things where we, 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 we need to look at and take into account. Yeah, as personable as Josh Allen is, you don't think he can do State Farm commercials or he can get a, a Nike shoe deal or do commercials for you know Pizza Hut or Domino's or something. Like he'll he's going to make money. Like after the season he just had, everybody's predicted him to be in the top five quarterbacks in two thousand and twenty one. And if he does the same thing he did last year, he's going to get paid and. Just like all the other, all these other contracts, Bean has doled out, Tre'Davious White, uh, Deion Dawkins, all these other ones that he's extended and things, he'll make it work. He'll figure it out to where it'll benefit the team, um, because Tremaine Edmonds is going to have to get paid too. He's got his fifth year options coming, and they have till May third, um, which is a month from today, to do the fifth year options. So we're going to see what's going to happen, but. It's Easter weekend. We ran super long. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us on Saturday. I'm about out of steam. Um, I got to go spend some time with the family that's in town. So, A. Rich, Charlie, you guys have anything before we get out of here? Siron uh, Neal, Teron Johnson, Deion Dawkins, uh, uh, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. These none of these guys are first round picks. AJ Epinesa, none of these guys are first round picks. Matt Milano, and they're they're contributing for the Buffalo Bills. So trading back is because I am confident in the Buffalo Bills staff and scouting department 
to get players of impact in the uh, early to mid rounds. Uh, they've proven so with the name. So that's just why I feel the way I feel with that. This has been an excellent show, and I appreciate both DM3 and my boy Charlie. And we'll be back next week, same time, 9 p.m., Bill Zalazer. Charlie. Yeah, thanks, guys. I want to I want to thank you guys for having me on again. I want to thank everybody on Facebook and YouTube who's watching. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you comment. And uh, I know like an hour ago, somebody was a little mad, uh, <laughs> I think, it, at me and a Rich because we were kind of dragging the bills a little bit at that point. But I just want to say that that I do it um, out of love because I was a teenager during the Super Bowl years. I know there's a lot of guys and, and girls in the Bills Mafia who didn't see that. And I don't want you guys to not experience it. I want the team to keep developing and keep advancing so you guys have a chance to see what we saw. Um, you know, so that's why I'm a little more critical than maybe people uh, are accustomed to sometimes. But I just want you guys to be able to see what I saw um, back at that part of my life because it was really cool and it was really awesome. And you'll have a lot of stories to tell, you know, your family, your kids, whatever, all that stuff. So appreciate you guys and appreciate you all in the chat. Um, with that being said, happy Easter to everyone. If you guys celebrate Easter or not, if not, just have a great safe weekend. Um, a rush will be back Tuesday. Uh, hopefully Charlie and Izzy will be going soon. They got a show coming out real soon. We're putting some final touches on it. Um, and then we'll be back Saturday with Bill's allergy. Um, I got some other stuff I'm cooking up personally. That's we're, we're going to launch here pretty soon. So I hope everybody has a safe and happy Easter weekend. Thank you for spending your weekend with us or portion of your weekend with us. We'll be back next week. This is Built in Buffalo. Thank you for watching and as always, go Bills. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.